Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I have Professor Linda Warnock-Constantino here with me. She was my professor in digital illustration. Hi, Professor Constantino. Hi, Nancy. I'm happy to be here with you today. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing this podcast and um, sharing your expertise and knowledge with me and everybody else that's listening. So my first question, um, can you tell um, the audience a little bit more about yourself? Well, um, I've taught at Savannah College of Art and Design for the past 18 years. I've recently um, retired. Before that, I was an art director on a newspaper um, here on Hilton Head. I've ha I had my own I still have my own design and illustration business. I've had that for like 30 years for any freelance work that I've done over that period of time. Um, I also lived in Alaska and Seattle. When I lived in Alaska, I worked for a newspaper. I was the art director there. And I also worked for the, the Yupik language, um, I guess it was the Bureau of Indian Affairs to help develop the first uh, children's textbooks using the Yupik English language. Um, I was more on the production and I didn't really do the books, but I, I helped with that because the language there uh, had just in the past 15 years been um, become written. Oh, so wow. um, they needed books. So I've done a lot of things. Yeah, well, that's fascinating. And then you also had your own um, business doing surface design and pattern work. Um, yeah, and I, I, I have Linda Warner illustration and design, which I have always had and I still have. Mm -hmm. But then I formed Lena Dona Botanica with my sister after uh, receiving my botanical certification. It just seemed to me that there was a market for botanical imagery and surface design and um, there's a saying in the, which is, it's a very trend driven business, but there's a saying that, uh, what is it? Um, birds, botanicals and bees never, never go out of style. Mm. So, um, I think that there's always like, I feel like everybody, regardless of style that they're in surface design, they should have some botanical imagery regardless um regardless of style i don't care if there's skulls and flowers or whatever but you know it seems like uh it's kind of a universal um thing to have well can you tell us a little bit about the first time you remember really feeling like hey i would want to become an artist hmm well my mother was very artistic and um when I, she had six children all a year apart and she was an elementary school teacher and an art teacher wow. and she painted and uh, she took us out on a lake one time and we ran around and played around the lake while she sat there and did a portrait of the lake. She did, um, well, a landscape portrait. She did portraits of people, but she did this, what you would call now nowadays distance learning before there was e-learning. She was enrolled in a famous artist school, which had famous illustrators as her teachers. And she sent her assignments off. And I was just very curious about what she was doing. Her artwork covered with tracing paper. And, 
And I still remember a drawing of a mailbox for some reason. I don't know why that was an assignment. It was probably a value assignment or something like that. But I think that's where she got going with things, you know. Um, but she was always artistic. She sewed. She painted sayings on the wall in our house. Many hands make light work. She, she, she was like that from furniture to sewing to anything artistic you know everything was her palette sort of wow so from developing that um, um what how did you know like where you wanted to study i thought that was really interesting um where you studied for your master of um, fine arts and i believe for your ma as well it's a very uh respected well-known program for illustration um I'm afraid I'm going to say the, the name of the university wrong because I think it was um, Hartford. Was it the Hartford? Um, what I did was, um, I guess, when my kids were in middle school, I just felt, so actually a famous illustrator lived on Hilton Head named Joe Bowler, and I knew his wife. I was involved in arts advocacy and stuff. And she suggested maybe I should go to this, program that was um with Syracuse University to get your master's in illustration and it used to be an MFA program but it was switched to an MA when I started doing it and we had so many famous people who would come we'd go for two weeks in the summer go to New York in the uh fall and then we'd go to different places we went to Texas we went to California and we did this for three summers so that was not my MA, but it's people like C.F. Payne, uh, Kanuko Kraft, Gary Kelly, um, a lot of uh, famous illustrators at the time w would come for a week or two. So, so you got to study each week with somebody like that. So that was my main immersion. It was run by Murray Tinkleman, and he was, he was the greatest uh, and he was one of the greatest inspirations to me. He was a great educator. Um, he was an illustrator, but he, he, he really, um, a lot of the people in the illustration department studied under Murray, Ron Spears, um, Arden, Mike, uh, Chuck Primo and, and Ted McLeodsky. So there's a lot of people. We all went through that program. But after the Syracuse program ended, it, he went to Hartford and started another program. And since mine had gotten switched to an MA, we had the opportunity to just go one year and get the oh. F in our MFA, which was great. Wow. Um, and I felt that I, would, I could only go so far at SCAD with an MA. I needed an MFA because they weren't going to let me teach full graduate programs. And I just saw that mm -hmm. as, a, uh, as a reason not for them to, you know, not reward me for whatever I oh, yeah. did. But I think since the time I started doing that and now mm -hmm. a terminal degree in the fine arts okay. is a requirement in a lot of schools where it used to be, you just had to be good. Mm -hmm. But now this got more competitive. So if you don't have that degree, you can be, unbelievable but you need that degree i also went to school of visual arts for a year after oh, i got nice. out of college 
I majored in art history, which I think is a wonderful thing for undergrad major. I loved art history. And after I graduated, I saved up my money because I had to work right away because I had a ton of college loans, but I went ahead and I spent eight weeks in a just a summer graduate program that you went around and studied all. We went to the great museums and we went to um, Paris and Rome and and Florence and um, Vienna and Germany. So I feel like that trip made so much of what I studied kind of gel because when you saw the real thing, you learned about things like the impact of scale. Um, you saw the colors, you know, it's really kind of interesting when you think that you study, got your whole graduate, your undergraduate degree based on focusing on pictures in, um, in books. Though I did go, I, I, my undergrad was at Drew University in Madison, New New Jersey, and we were 40 minutes from New York City. So we had this semester on New York and we were given assignments to go into New York. And we either met with artists, went to museums, went to archives, like in the Museum of Modern Art. So we, we really immersed ourselves in the New York art scene. So that was a great experience too. Um, yeah, I love that. And, you know, I loved going to New York. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about how you started? Um, because I really enjoyed the project we did in digital illustration with the surface designs. Um, you mentioned about you and your sister started um, doing that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about that? Well, I think it was really, I, I, I remember looking at this little painting I did and I said, wow, that could be a re repeat pattern. And I, what I had done when I got the F in my MFA is we always had to write a business plan, which oh. I think is really critical. Yeah. I wrote one in my MA and I wrote one in my MFA. And I, I even called my teacher back and said, all the things I said I was going to do, I did. I can't believe it. I'm so grateful. And one of my things was that I was going to pursue art licensing. And, you know, one of the steps in those goals was to go walk the Surtex show. So I was doing that um, a little bit before I had started my certification uh, process for botanical art. So that was rolling around in the back of my head at the same time I was doing botanical art. And then it just seemed natural, like, I got to put these together and do this, you know? I, I don't even know how time-wise I did it all, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I just think when you get something in your head that you want to do, somehow you, you do make the time for it, yeah. because a lot was going on at that time. But that's kind of how I got going with it. And my sister loved patterns, too. She mm -hmm. was very artistic and... Um, so we we formed it. She was more the the business end of it, but I, I I I think she really wished that she was the artist too. She was great at giving me feedback. The only the only bad thing about somebody who loves you is they think everything you do is wonderful. I mean, and she can certainly be critical, but I, I, in some ways I wish she was a little bit more critical. But I think she didn't know, we neither of us knew a lot about the surface design business. It was 
There were no books. Mm -hmm. There were no webinars. There was no wow. Skillshare. There was nothing like that. You would, I would go and I would take um, seminars in uh, that they held concurrently with the Surface Textile Show, which went on at the same time as a national stationery mm -hmm. show in the Jacobs Javits Center in New York. So I had done this at least two years, um, getting information. But I, I had always been integrating repeat patterns, like trying to find a way to bring more to it because um, I think students were hungry for it. Mm -hmm. I did it in my um, watercolor class. And years later, I talked to a young woman who had been gone to SCAD undergrad and worked for Caspari Cards. Mm -hmm. And she got the job partially because she chose to do repeat patterns for her um, portfolio development class. It's like a portfolio class. Mm -hmm. And she got a job there. And you know, she she was so grateful to me for having let let her do that and show her how to do that. And that's before we even had a track or anything, wow. you know, like that. So there was a hole in the field, I think, for people who understood and could do repeat patterns, illustrated repeat patterns. Um, I know that they do repeat patterns in fibers and, and that it can involve drawn or illustrated imagery, but like when I developed the track, which I developed for the uh, illustration department at SCAD, I wanted it to be strictly illustrated motifs, um, geometrics and abstract for secondary patterns, but it wasn't about fiber or textures or anything like that, uh, or figuring out how your fiber design is going to be uh, output it was really more about getting good images and repeat patterns and I always say people feel this amazing sense of triumph when they've gotten a pattern to repeat well I said it does repeat you're right now you have to figure out how to make it good and that's that's what it is in the beginning you're so elated that you've gotten it to work and then you have to start considering things like value rhythm uh, positive and negative space, shapes, things like that, that harmony, um, that help you to improve it as you um, do more patterns. I usually say it starts to click by about fourth or fifth pattern. Well, I, I thought the mock-ups were a lot of fun to do as well. And now, because the um, digital printing from all these different companies is so readily available, I was just like, I'm just going to, I mean, nobody's knocking at my door to do surface design, so I'll just send them off to these companies and see how it turns out, just to kind of get a sense. And that's been really a lot of fun. Well, yes, and I think that's the way to do it now, because, I mean, Surtex was always expensive. I mean, it was like $7,000 to um, between five and $7,000. By the time I got to New York with all the stuff I had to put up and stay in a hotel with my oh. sister for three days, I mean, we spent a lot of money. Yeah. So that was an expensive form of advertising. Mm -hmm. Though in the past, yeah. I had spent like maybe 2000 a year to be in what they would call these annual directories or whatever. Uh, for my illustration work. So um, I saw it as a giant investment in advertising. Um, I wasn't smart enough to make the show pay off as well as it did because it's really about 
making connections and getting your work in front of people who like the kind of work that you do, which is easier to do because you don't have to knock on doors. You can contact people via email and stuff like that. Sure. Gotcha. In some ways, I think contacting people and doing the research yourself, Mm -hmm. you're going to find a better fit because sometimes when somebody calls you to do something out of the blue, they might not be, you know, it's kind of like dating. Sometimes the guys who ask you out are not really the guys you're going to date. (laughs) That's the only thing I compare. All right. You go just because you know, okay, it's going to be one date. And so not just because they ask you, you wind up being so flattered and you think you should do the job, but there's some jobs that, you know, you really have to know what your strengths are before you, before you take on a job that somebody approaches you about. Yes, I always nice. found that there was some, some amount of stretch that I was doing. Yeah. Like, um, like if I was doing a package design thing for, for yogurt and they also wanted me to do a cow. Well, I'm a botanical mm-hmm. artist. I, I, I can draw a cow yeah. if you want me to, but that was like the wild card yeah. thing, you know? So, uh, I'll, it's not that I'm particularly interested. I, I would have to get psyched to do a cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, so many of your former students, um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing and they spoke highly of your class and what they learned. And like Courtney Mayo, I interviewed her and also uh, Caitlin Yoder. And so they're working professionally in the industry. So I really love the practicality of, you know, the marriage of design and illustration. I think it's a really uh, great field. Yeah, I mean, I think the growing field, I think that it's it's becoming more competitive, but so many of my students have gotten staff jobs and and are so grateful and amazed that they got hired to do something that they already really like, you know, um, and it's because there weren't that many people that that were experienced like there were people who could do the artwork but they didn't know anything about the mechanics to make their artwork work like they'd have to give it to somebody or i mean i'm telling you we have gone from stone age for artists to you know the 21st century in like 15 years i mean it's really only been that long that technology and and the attraction of people skilled in the arts have poured into this field and I think the ones that are more um their backgrounds have that fine art um to it and when they do the patterns because I interviewed um she's local um Jennifer Dunlap she got her bachelor's at SCAD but then she went and got her MFA in painting at the School of Visual Arts and so her surface designs are just really just very the only word I can think of is like luxurious. <laughs> like I, I looked at some of her work and I was just like, wow. And so then she's been creating her own line. But yeah, I do think it helps having that because then you're kind of more in tune because like um, with people who were before just what's current and seeing just, you know, if it's a toss pattern, like a lot of people do the toss pattern. But then um, I sat in that workshop that you were at and it was a lot about William Morris. And I thought that was fascinating. Right. There are, you know, we teach toss pattern because it it is a pattern that anchors a lot of 
uh, collections, that, that uh, kind of pattern. But I always stress that there's more patterns mm -hmm. and that, that, that they should explore approaching their hero pattern uh, differently, but still it requires that it be a bit more intricate and interesting as opposed to secondary prints. And even in fibers, they approach um, creating collections differently. They'll create a main design and two, two they uh, call them coordinates, and they, they just have a slightly different approach. Um, and it's, it's not right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I just think the field is broad and, um, and it's, it's open to a lot of things. I think um, if you really want to look at a lot of different uh, amazing patterns, mm -hmm. it, the Liberty of London site, Liberty okay. of London, okay. I've known about that forever because oh. I have known about their fabrics having, oh. having been an avid sewer and a quilter and they have um, just a lot of different kinds of patterns and I feel the British really have uh, so many interesting botanicals that uh, have gone into it and they have a staff of artists designing for them but they also have some like tried and true historical traditional you know, prints that Liberty of London is known for. Also, the Victoria and Albert Museum is there, which is where William Morris, you know, is, there's all the William Morris stuff is connected with. So the William Morris effect on all of British um, tapestry, rugs, all that kind of design work. And in fact, I do have a book where... Um, that a teacher taught, they would draw like a plant naturalistically, and then they would stylize it more like a William Morris print type of thing, and they would try stylizing it in in several different ways as an exercise. And so, like, I feel like there's a lot of room within that range from realistic to a, a bit more um, stylized within the uh, surface design world, you know. So how did you keep motivated with all the things that you were doing with your business, teaching, and um, just probably all the, you know, the things that you were doing for your curriculum and creating? How do you, how do you balance all that? And plus, you know, your personal life, too. That's, that always amazes me when people tell me they do all this stuff. I don't know. I, I think, I think I'm driven by interest. And I mean, I'm not saying there hasn't been things I'm, for, I'm forced to do. Uh, like we, over the years, I think I wrote at least eight courses and developed that one curriculum track. I told you I wrote the Photoshop class twice online and I only wrote it the first time because some professor said, I can't do this. And it, it was a lot of meetings and a lot of work. And um, I don't know, you know, sometimes I look back and go, wow, can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. But at the time, I, you know, it, maybe the expression is this. If you want something done, ask a busy person. I mean, 
I get a lot more done when I have a lot to do. And I, you know, I guess I, I'm generally pretty good at prioritizing things, but let's, I'll be the first to say, I don't have a approach avoidance. Sometimes I really want to do something like my artwork and I just have to, once I sit down and start it, I'm fine, mm. but I will piddle around and go, okay, you need to get up there, Linda. And I'm like, I don't understand this. I want to do it. Well, you know, every artist has fear of failure or, or not knowing where to start. And this weird root painting drawing that I'm doing is going to be, it's just going to be, I really have to slow down. I have to stay in the present. And I just have to not get out of myself. So, you know, that's just the nature of, of the game. Well, I appreciate that knowing that um, even accomplished artists go through that themselves because a lot of times I feel like I either go one way, I go extremely like workaholic or I'm avoidance. It's like one or the other. And I I have yet to figure out that balance. And that's that's always hard. I think you just have to know that, you know, accept that about yourself and kind of design your days. I mean, the first thing I tell students, you know, I've taught a lot of business of classes and I always made all my students do business plans. You know, I was teaching what Mike is teaching. Mike Wimmer teaches. I've, I've taught that for a long time and um, a lot of portfolio preparation and all of that. And um, I think that you really need to think of your art as a job and not just a passion. And, you know, I tell my students, don't make a doctor's appointment unless you're sick during class. Mm -hmm. As you would not do during, let's say you had a busy work day. Mm -hmm. If you start making your appointments any old time, like you call a, call a doctor, mm -hmm. make sure you make it at like four in the afternoon mm -hmm. when you're burnt out and mm -hmm. you don't want to do anything anyway. You know, that way your day doesn't get interrupted mm -hmm. and, you know, and know whether you can take long spans of work or maybe you're best doing short blasts. Okay. I mean, I think these are things that you have to just kind of get attuned to about yourself as you um, gravitate more to a professional way of working. So to be, I always say, if you if you own your process, you own your finish. So if you know how you're going to approach something, you know, you start thinking about how long it's going to take you and just, and there's always an arc of difficulty in every project. There's always that one part of the project that I used to tell students sometimes I said, you know, sometime during the project, you're going to feel like you're walking around with pants that are on that are too tight. <laughs> You just want to be released from it. But that's when it's hard. Or a painting goes through an ugly duckling stage when you go, I don't know if this one is going to get past this. Sometimes they don't. But I think every creative project, mm -hmm. even though you really want to do it, has this challenging part. But if you didn't have that part, you wouldn't have the reward of getting through it, you know. But it's just part of it. So if you know... If you know that, it's a little easier when it happens for you to go, yeah, this is the hard part. I, I was, re I was not wanting to do this, but I know I, I have to. Thank you. I, um, I 
I, that really makes me feel better about my process because I'll, I'll hit those same roadblocks and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And then I'm just like, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to push myself. And then like, it, it does get better. You do find that. So that's good to know that it's normal in the artist process. So I was wondering, um, can you um, talk about um, what you were currently working on as far as with your own work? Well, I think I'm sort of just giving myself the summer and taking mm -hmm. advantage of needing to be home all the time anyway, of just exploring some things that I want to do. Like right now, I'm just doing a graphite drawing of a mm -hmm. botanical subject just because I want it to get, go back to the basics with graphite. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I'll start painting more. And, and, you know, I can paint something because I look, it's something I'd like to paint or I might start painting things with the eye that maybe this could be a repeat pattern yeah. if I decide to do that. You know, I'm, I'm gelling themes for repeat patterns, but I'm focusing more on botanical art, but sometimes that's how it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was first doing it, I would just go out and I'd see a plant that I thought, Oh, I'll paint that flower like five different ways. And some of the leaves and turn it into a repeat pattern. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I couldn't hear you. It, it just cut off just a little bit. Did you say um, that again? I said, well, sometimes I would just go out and look for a plant. Uh, uh, I'd see a plant that inspired me and uh, I would plant, you know, the, like these flowering um, Japanese maples have mm -hmm. sort of a, they look like skirts okay. and they, and I just painted them in all different poses, even made a little, I need to finish it, a little uh, video of the flowers falling. And then my name comes up after they finish falling. I was working on it in um, After Effects. Awesome. So, um, but I, you know, I just need to go back and tweak it. I need to get yeah. the falls to go the way I want them to. But um, so that would often be an inspiration mm -hmm. for, for that. I think, you know, after I did my botanical mm -hmm. degree, I did want to keep going, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it, you know, and I'm planning on monetizing my website finally, oh, and nice. I have prints that um, I want to sell on my website, and then yes. I'll, I may start putting some things on uh, products or putting some things up on Spoonflower. I think mm -hmm. Spoonflower is a good test market for your artwork. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Do you think you'll ever do like any online classes with your watercolor? I mean, because it's something that you're so passionate about. You're such a great teacher. Is that something, a direction that you would be? Well, I, I, I have thought about it. I did a uh, evening class with Ted and he videoed it of me just doing the top 10 basic things in watercolor. And um, that went pretty well. Oh, I mean, awesome. I may. Yeah. I may. I, I, I'm just like taking a little breather at the sure. moment. And, you know, just, the, just like I, I've told people, like not having my SCAD email has left this huge internet hole <laughs> because... You know, you're always checking your email, even when you're off. Oh, oh, I need to think about this. Be thinking about this, or you know, it seems like I, I, I'm still on two thesis committees, actually, um, just as a um, 
committee member. I can't be a chair. But uh, so I, I just need to not have to answer to anybody but myself for a little bit. Yeah. Well, you've been so busy throughout your career. So it's probably nice to just take a little bit of a break. <laughs> and to gel, you know, I've been making sourdough bread like everybody else. Oh. And um, doing those kind of things people have been doing to stay sane in um, lockdown here. Uh, and so uh, next question is, what's the most invaluable thing that uh, you have um, in your studio you can't live without? Oh, I think um, I do have to say lighting. You have no idea how many lamps I have. I have oh. one, two, three, and there's probably a couple more over there and um, others elsewhere. I am I am forever fiddling with the light because without light, you don't see form. And for me, uh, uh, you know, there are botanical artists who don't really care about light on form, but it really helps me to see value. Mm. And I feel like if all the lights were out, okay. I wouldn't have anything interesting to paint, you know, because mm. you couldn't see that what's distinctive about it. I mean, not only does light illuminate form, light helps you find a focus for what you feel you want to capture about something. You know, uh, when I used to paint light landscapes, usually the thing that attracted me was light. I can remember walking over this little bridge and there was a little creek and then there were all these trees over and you could see the sound out in the light, you know, out beyond the creek. And I was always intrigued with that light. And uh, when I sat down to finally paint the painting, it just like came together. It's because the lights and the darks were firmly established in my mind and it just it it came together very quickly as a landscape because of that so if you could travel in a time machine back to your younger self what would be a word of advice you would give to that younger self about having an art career more guts more glory i think <laughs> you know if you would just not be afraid of failure. I mean, truly not be afraid of failure. Um, I do think in my, mm -hmm. I don't think it's as hard for women to be illustrators and it's not that there haven't been women illustrators, but I think even in the workplace, mm -hmm. women, I know that I have had to work twice as hard to get half as much recognition. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, or whatever. And, and illustration per se, thinking the society of illustration has historically been a bit of a men's club, you know, um, and a bit of an ego fest in terms of that. And, you know, I've known, I've had girlfriends who've been involved and there's few, you know, it must be men 10 to 10 to one, you know, 10 men to women in terms of the density, it's probably changed now, but back in, you know, 25 years ago, it was, it was very clearly very, the field was very male dominated. I think that's really blowing open now and it's a good thing, mm -hmm. you know. And so the last question is at the end of your life, you've made all the art that you've wanted and you've lived a full life. If you could leave nothing but a note with three final truths, what would they be? I think the 
it's important to be passionate about what you do. Even not just your artwork. I remember when I was writing my thesis, uh, my first thesis, my MA, which was on the illustrated portraits of time. I, I asked Murray, I said, you know, the topic was rolling around in my head. I wasn't sure I was very interested in portraiture at the time. And I said, Murray, I'm wondering, should I just really love my topic if I'm going to do it? And Murray turned to me and said, F yes, Linda, you have to be passionate about it. And so I think passion is important. And Murray also told me that when you teach, you need to teach from a place of truth. And I think having a place of truth as an artist, being honest with yourself, I mean, brutally honest with yourself sometimes, like, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know, I'm, am I doing this to please somebody else? Am I, am I doing the kind of art that I want to do? Am I trying to follow a trend? Am I derivative? You know, I feel like probably the most truthful place in your artistic life is your sketchbook. You know, I think because it's in a place where you're not judged. And uh, historically, you know, my portfolio class did 100 sketches from life. And I just feel like, I think, I feel like that's critical. Um, not so much the 100 sketches from life, but um, trying to stay truthful to yourself. You know, students always go, well, I don't know what my style is. Well, your style is constantly evolving. And your style comes from you sitting down and having a one-to-one -one interpretation through your drawing or painting skills with whatever you're looking at or whatever you're thinking of doing. That's why I think that students should learn to draw from life before they draw out of their head because mm -hmm. the, your verbal language, your visual language that you develop if you only draw from your head, it's really based on what you've seen and drawn. Mm -hmm. um, even Katie Kath, the children's book illustrator, went to SCAD. It's observational drawing, you can call it. It's not about being, you know, super realistic botanical painter. It's about being faithful to a visual truth that could be very simple and stylized, but it needs to come from you. And I think the last thing is that um, the truth about being an artist is about working as an artist or creating it think of it more as a verb than a noun because being an artist is not the same as doing art mm -hmm. and it's important to do art on a regular basis and you can't just do it every once in a while like ride your bike go for a bike ride and everything's great it takes a while to get back into it again so i think uh finding a regular time whether it's two hours, three times a week, whatever works for you, that's going to be the key to your development. And like I said before, it's not what you do every once in a while. It's what you do every day. That's going to make it much easier to get from point A to point B, whatever your goals are as an artist. That's wonderful advice. And would you mind sharing uh, your social media? So if people want to visit and see um, your watercolors or check out your Instagram. Okay. My Instagram is uh, Linda 
Botanica, okay. L-I-N-D-A, Botanica, all, all lowercase on Instagram. And then it's just Linda Warner Constantino, lwarnerconstantino.com. I don't have a professional Facebook page. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I'm on there personally, but I don't put my art. I usually only put my artwork on uh, Instagram. And then um, my website, which is in remiss right now, but I'm working to fix that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your personal uh, professional advice. And um, I will definitely take it to heart. Um, Everybody, thank you for listening to My Creative Life.